0: Welcome to our walk and talk podcast. This is an educational podcast made specifically for you, Health 120 Nutrition Heartland students, made by me, your course instructor, Ms. Eisen. My goal is to provide you with a variety of learning modalities for this course so that you can choose the method that works best for you. Each week, I will give you reading assignments from our Nutrition and You textbook, and I will also create a podcast that reviews those textbook chapters. So both the textbook and the podcast contain the same information. Therefore, you can choose to read the chapters, listen to this podcast, or both. Please note that the textbook contains more detailed information, whereas this podcast is more of a summary of key points from the textbook. My suggestion is for you to first read the textbook chapters I assign each week, then go take a walk while listening to this podcast to review key material. But the choice is yours. Please choose whichever learning option works best for you. Let's get cooking. Week one covers chapters one and two from our Nutrition and You textbook. So let's first get started by talking about what is nutrition. So by definition, nutrition is the science that studies how nutrients and compounds in foods affect and nourish our body functions and health. We all know that we need to eat and drink to survive, but Did you know that the reason we need to eat and drink is to give our body nutrients? Nutrients are the chemical compounds that work together to provide energy, growth, and maintenance for our body. These nutrients also regulate numerous body processes. In total, when we talk about nutrients, there are six classes of nutrients. These six nutrients are called the six essential nutrients. Those six essential nutrients are one, carbohydrates, two, lipids, also referred to as fats, three, protein, four, vitamins, five, minerals, and six, water. Throughout this course, we'll talk more about the details behind these six essential nutrients, but for now, here's a big picture view. If we break these six essential nutrients into two parts, we have macro and nutrients. The first three nutrients, carbohydrates, lipids, and protein are macronutrients. Macronutrients provide energy in the form of calories. When we say calories, we're technically referring to the term kilocalories, but in this course, we'll keep it simple and refer to just calories. But why do we have a thing called calories and how are calories measured? What does it even mean? So I wanted to share a fun fact from our textbook with you that one calorie or one kilocalorie is the amount of energy needed to raise the temperature of one kilogram of water, one degree Celsius. So that's how calories in our foods are determined. So again, those first three, carbohydrates, lipids, protein, those first three nutrients are considered our macronutrients, and we'll learn more about them um, over the course of this semester. The second set of nutrients, vitamins, minerals, and water, those are called our micronutrients. Micronutrients regulate body processes, including our metabolism. Metabolism is a word that we've probably heard of before. Um, But the actual definition of metabolism is the numerous reactions that occur within the cell. The calories in foods are converted into energy in those cells of the body. So in short, metabolism is the process of our body converting the foods we eat into energy that our body can use. In this course, we will get into the science behind our digestive system and macro and micronutrients, but I also want us to dig deeper than the science and get to the root of why we eat the way we do. So to understand how our dietary behaviors fit into our day-to-day lives, it's going to take quite a bit of self-reflection. So I encourage us all to be very reflective about the why behind our food and drink choices throughout this course. So when we think about food, let's start by asking ourselves a few questions. Let's think specifically about our dinner from last night. So where did you eat your dinner last night? What did you eat for dinner last night? Who were you with, and why did you eat this meal? Did you choose this meal because other people were eating it, so you ate it as well? Did you make the meal for yourself because you like it, or because it was easy, or because uh, you wanted to eat something healthier? And then think about how did eating this meal make you feel. So chapter one in our textbook talks about why we eat what we eat. They list a variety of reasons such as taste and culture, social reasons and trends, cost, time, convenience, habits, and emotions. Taste and culture impacts what we eat because we all may find different foods to taste better or worse. So what we uh, enjoy eating will impact what we eat. Our culture impacts what we eat because our families may have different traditions of styles of foods that they like to cook. Social reasons, Uh, if you think about the last time you're at a birthday party, especially a birthday party for uh, a younger child, uh, it's very common that we have these social norms surrounding birthday parties such as pizza and cake. So when we're in those environments, Uh, those social settings can kind of dictate what's available to eat, so what we choose to eat. Trends is another big thing that impacts what we eat. Trends in the media, such as the news, uh, TV commercials, and social media, um, really impact what we think about food. And Note that there's a lot of mixed messages um, specifically related to food and what's healthy and what's not in the media and social media. And we'll talk about um, some more of that throughout this course too. But um, my hope is that throughout this course, we all become very um, educated on nutrition and we look at all of those messages surrounding nutrition with a very critical lens and we question whether these things we hear are actually true. My goal is to really simplify simplify nutrition in this course because I think the media tends to make it very confusing. So we'll even talk about trends like the keto diet, um, and we'll talk about why uh, maybe we need to look at those with a bit more caution and concern rather than just believing whatever we hear in the media. Uh, when it comes to costs, the U.S. Department of Agriculture actually found that 15% of households did not have access to enough healthy foods um, because of financial resources. So cost really impacts what we eat. Uh, but my hope in this course is to show you that it actually can be cheaper um, and more cost-effective to cook at home And there's some healthy options that uh, we'll try to make convenient as well um, to show you that uh, cost, uh, we can eat healthy for a low cost. So time um, is another huge factor in in what we eat. So a recent survey reported that close to 60% of millennials, which is the generation born between like the 80s and 2000 or early 1990s, I'm technically a millennial, um, so 60% of millennials f- spend as little as 15 minutes of cooking dinner during the week, Monday through Friday, 15 minutes total. So it, it, it sounds like our culture is uh, pretty busy, and maybe we're not dedicating that much time to making our food. Uh, so convenience is another huge factor of why we eat what we eat. It, it makes sense that foods that are easily accessible to us are more likely to be eaten. Whenever you drive past a fast food restaurant uh, around lunch and dinner time, the lines are, are pretty packed. And it really shows that our culture seems to be um, really uh, looking for the quick fix to uh, eating. So, uh, the last two things we'll talk about in terms of what drives our food choices are habits and emotions. So, think about your daily habits. A lot of times, the daily habits that we have are subconscious. We don't spend too much time thinking about them or why we do them. Start to think about your daily habits surrounding food. Think about the little things like where food is placed in your house. So I'll share a quick story with you. Um, When I was in grad school, I used to have this candy jar that sat on my coffee table, and I would fill it up with Hershey Kisses. And the uh, candy, uh, candy white chocolate or candy cane white chocolate Hershey Kisses were my favorite, especially around the winter time. So, anyways, I would fill up this uh, candy jar with Hershey Kisses, and every time I would walk by my uh, coffee table, I would grab a handful, a handful of Hershey Kisses. Didn't really think much of it. I'm used to having candy kind of sit out in my uh, home growing up. And then one day, I caught myself eating an entire bag of those peppermint uh, white chocolate Hershey Kisses, and I was like, whoa, maybe I should rethink, you know, what food I'm buying and where I put it in my house so that I'm not so easily tempted to just grab these Hershey Kisses. So ever since then, I actually don't let myself buy Hershey Kisses, but I tell this story to point out just one one viewpoint, right? So I know myself well enough by now that if I have chocolate in the house, it's going to get eaten and it'll likely get eaten in one day. So I don't buy it. But there's also people like my husband who can have chocolate in the house and can just have one piece a day and that's great. But... The key here is to really think about our own habits without comparing them to other people's and think about what's best for us. I think a a huge problem with um, our culture and health is that we tend to compare our health behaviors to other people's health behaviors, and in this course, I'm really encouraging us to internally reflect without comparing and without judging ourselves or other people. Uh, think about what works best for you. So in terms of your day-to-day habits surrounding food, don't try to change anything just yet. Just um, over the next couple of days, start to pay attention to, is there a trigger that causes you to maybe grab a, a snack that might not be that healthy? And then uh, in terms of habits, in this course, I really want us to think about adding positive habits into our life rather than taking away negative habits. So if you notice that maybe you are grabbing some unhealthy snacks throughout the day, try not to go extreme like I did where I just stopped buying Hershey Kisses try to think about adding in a healthy snack. So is there a healthy cue you can give yourself? Like maybe you put a sticky note on the fridge that says, snack, try some carrots, and you have carrots inside. So in this course, we're gonna try to really focus on positive eating behaviors, meaning that we are not going to set goals for eliminating things from our diet, we are setting goals to add in healthy things from our diet. And the hope is that over time, once we add in these healthy snacks, we'll feel full and satisfied from the healthy foods we're eating, that we might just naturally gravitate away from um, some unhealthier foods. But overall, focus on the positive. Focus on what we can add in um, to our uh, day-to-day eating and drinking behaviors. Don't focus on um, what you want to take away. That way we have developed this positive relationship with eating and drinking, which I think is extremely important. All right. And then the last thing our textbook talks about in terms of why we eat what we eat is emotions. It's actually for this reason that I am so passionate about the positive healthy eating strategies because I found that throughout my entire life, I really struggled with my weight. And my eating behaviors, and I would go on periods where I'd eat extremely healthy. Then I'd get so tired of eating healthy, and I would just binge unhealthy food. And it caused me a lot of stress. And then that uh, emotion of stress caused me to eat more unhealthy food. And then eating more unhealthy food caused me to feel sad. Uh, and then sad, I've learned, triggers my eating of chocolate. So our emotions whether or not they're related to food, they can be related to anything in life, but start to pay attention to um, when we're eating and if it's because we're hungry or if it's because we're bored or if it's because we're sad. Maybe we're even eating because we're excited. Um, And there's no right or wrong with any of these things we're talking about. It's really all unique to you and what works best for you. So think about what you eat and why you eat it. And then think about if what you're eating is causing you to feel good. If it's causing you to feel good, keep doing it. If it's not causing you to feel good, or you think that over time, it might be negative to your health, then let's try to add in some more positive strategies. The last thing associated with emotions is eating because of memories. So this is a happy memory that I'll share with you. Uh, As a child growing up, um, my mom's My mom's mom, who I called my Memmi, my Memmi watched me every day when my mom went to work when I was little. And I have this vivid memory of my Memmi getting out this big bib that she would put on me so I didn't spill food on my clothes. And then she would make me a cup of hot chocolate and pieces of toast with lots of butter on it. And then she would cut the bread up and I would dip my toast in the hot chocolate. And this uh, breakfast, which I call hot chocolate and toast, is still my favorite breakfast to this day. And whenever I still make it quite often, usually on the weekends as a treat, Uh, And whenever I eat it, I think about my Memi and I think about those fond memories I have with her. She has since passed away. um, So I find that doing those uh, activities that her and I did together really help bring back those warm memories. So um, think about the foods that you eat and it might be subconscious. You might start to think about certain foods that you really like and be like, wow, I didn't realize that's probably why I really like it because my so-and-so used to make this for me. When I was a kid. So again, for the rest of my life, I'm not going to try to make myself give up hot chocolate and toast. But what I am going to do is try not to eat hot chocolate and toast every single day and instead substitute that hot chocolate and toast with maybe a smoothie with some yogurt and veggies and fruit. So uh, again, adding in positive, but um, the important message here is to really think about why we eat what we eat and then making sure that uh, we're eating things that help us feel our best, that really promote our, our best well-being. So now that we've reflected on why we eat what we do, and we know that our body needs these six essential nutrients to function properly, the big question then becomes, how do we know which foods contain these six essential nutrients? How do we know what to eat each day to keep our body healthy? So, a key thing to think about here is the six essential nutrients. Think about them in in your mind as this compartment of the stuff inside of food that we need to be healthy. It can be very complicated if we try to think about eating based on those nutrients, which is why places like choosemyplate.gov. Have developed this visual, the my plate, as a way to help us know what we can eat each day. So, this brings us to this idea of nutrition tools that we're talking a lot about this week. So, the choosemyplate.gov is my favorite tool for nutrition. And when we think about what we should eat each day, I want us to always picture the my plate. On that my plate, you'll see a colorful visual and you'll have four categories on the plate and one category off the plate. So five total food groups are represented on that visual. The five food groups are one grains, two fruits, three vegetables, four protein, and five dairy. So when we think about what we should eat each day, and when we think about like meal planning, let's think about the MyPlate five food groups. Throughout this course, I'll teach you about what six essential nutrients are in which of those five food groups. But think about planning your meals surrounding this idea of my plate, the five food groups. All right, so let's talk more about some tools that can help us eat healthy. So choosemyplate.gov. I mentioned um, is a very reliable source. It's actually made by um, the United States Department of Agriculture. But there's a lot of websites out there that claim um, to know what they're talking about in terms of nutrition, but we can't always trust everything we see on the internet. So how do we know what we can trust? A good rule of thumb is to avoid all .com and .org websites, avoid those. What you want to look for are websites that have .gov, so like the choosemyplate.gov, or .edu, so harvard.edu, for example. So the choosemyplate.gov will be used every week in this course. One way that you're expected to use it is in your nutrition journals. So you'll be using the choosemyplate.gov to help you identify which food group the food you're eating falls into and to help you understand what constitutes as a serving size. So how much you should eat of that food in one serving and how many servings of each food group you should have per day. So uh, websites, make sure we stick to .gov or .edu resources to make sure that they are credible resources. Another credible resource is our nutrition textbook for this class. A third credible resource and the most qualified resource for anything nutrition is someone called a registered dietitian nutritionist. This is really important to remember, a registered dietitian nutritionist. There's a lot of other people out there, especially on the internet, again, that claim that they know um, what you should eat or what you should do to be healthy. Be very skeptical of anyone who is not a registered dietitian. Anyone can basically call themselves a nutritionist. Um, Personal trainers and health coaches still need to be called registered dietitians, meaning they went through the rigorous requirements to obtain that degree and title. So uh, a personal trainer or health coach, a researcher even, those people are not technically qualified to prescribe you foods you should be eating. You can obtain information about what you can eat to be healthy on places like choosemyplate.gov or from me, Um, but what I can't do, since I am not a registered dietitian nutritionist, what I can't do is uh, have you come to me and say, you know, I am type 1 diabetic. And my doctor says, I shouldn't eat this, this, and this. Can you give me a meal plan? So I can't, by law, give you a meal plan. Um, Only a registered dietitian nutritionist could do that. What I can do is talk to you about the resources like choosemyplate.gov and our textbook that you can use to learn about what is healthy and how you can incorporate that into your lifestyle. Um, So for anyone who does have a specific condition or very detailed questions about the, um, like, milligrams of sodium you should have or, or whatnot, remember that a registered dietitian nutritionist is the most qualified to give you that information. Uh, and I wanted to touch on one other thing. Uh, I mentioned that even researchers technically need that title, um, registered dietitian nutritionist, to have the most credible nutrition information. I'm also a researcher. I'm currently getting my PhD at the U of I. And I do work, research that relates to physical activity and healthy lifestyles in uh, children, specifically K-12 through 12 schools focusing on high school students. So in my research... I might find that students who um, were more hydrated had more energy throughout the day. And then you'll notice that a lot of news uh, outlets pick up these research bits and they include them in their blog or their news report. And you'll also notice that a lot of times that information from the news media outlets is misconstrued. So they'll take something from the research and they'll word it in a way that captures the reader's attention. But while they do that, they're technically speaking out of place. So to really make sure that what you're hearing from the media is correct, if they're referencing rem- referencing research, you should go back and check that research article. What was the population it was done with? If it was done on animals, we definitely shouldn't be comparing it to ourselves. Um, If it was done on a different age group, we should also be cautious. And then keep in mind that there might be research out there that goes against what that says. So be very careful um, when you hear about research says blah, 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 blah. Things like the keto diet tend to have a lot of those misnomers with them. That research found this. Um, But do your own research and you might come across articles that refute or go against What that one research says. So long story short, be very critical when you hear people reference research says this. Check it out for yourself and make sure that uh, the source you're hearing it from is actually taking the research in the correct context. Another tool to help us eat healthy is the nutrition facts panel on food labels, or food labels for short. So this is actually the most common healthy eating tool that we often have readily available on most foods in our home and at the grocery store. Let's start uh, getting in the habit of checking the food labels uh, before we eat food or before we buy food. So when we look at these food labels, what are we looking at? Uh, We're looking at the recommended daily allowances or the RDAs, which are estimated to meet the needs of nearly all people. Keep in mind, there's always exceptions. If we are extremely active, we might need more food to uh, allow our body to run properly. And if we have any certain um, situations or conditions such as diabetes, we'll want to talk with our uh, registered dietitian nutritionist to make sure we're eating uh, the correct amounts for ourselves. But overall, the RDAs are the estimated amount of nutrients uh, that we need per day. So when you see the percentages on those food labels, it's telling you like if you eat one serving of this food... Um, You'll be consuming this percentage of the amount of uh, saturated fat or the amount of sugars that you should have in a day. So, when we look at this uh, nutrition food label or the food labels, there's a couple areas that our textbook flags as nutrients of concern on food labels. These nutrients of concern are calories, fat, Saturated fat, cholesterol, sodium, and sugars. So those are the specific things that typically get eaten too much of um, by Americans. Let's talk a little bit more about American culture related to the foods that we eat. So most Americans would benefit from eating less sugar, less sodium, and less saturated fat. We'll talk more about these specific um, types of nutrients in detail throughout the course but for now just know that those are the uh, three things that most americans would benefit from eating less sugar sodium and saturated fat so many americans really should try to prepare more food at home when we prepare food at home we know exactly what's going into the food when we eat at restaurants Not so much. Um, Coming from someone who worked in um, the restaurant industry as a waitress for 10 years, uh, I can tell you that I was pretty shocked with some of the things I saw going into food. Uh, For example, at Texas Roadhouse, did you know they actually take a paintbrush and they dip that paintbrush in a uh, pool of melted butter and then they paint melted butter on top of all of the steaks they serve? Uh, so at restaurants, we might always know we might always not know what exactly is going in the food that we eat. So that's why our textbook recommends preparing food at home. Our textbook also recommends that Americans should eat more foods that are rich in fiber. Fiber is very important for our digestive system, and we'll learn more about that next week. Americans should also eat more foods that have more vitamin D, potassium, and calcium. So what does constitute a healthy eating plan? When we think about healthy foods, we should think about this term called nutrient dense foods. Nutrient dense means pretty much what it sounds like. It's dense with nutrients, meaning that the food contains a lot of nutrients. There's some food out there that is marketed as being a healthy quote unquote food, but it might not be nutrient dense, so if the goal of eating food is to give our body these nutrients, shouldn't we want to put the most nutrients into our body? So it's another reason we should check out food labels to make sure that the food we're eating is nutrient-dense. Things that are nutrient-dense that we should incorporate into a healthy eating plan are things like vegetables, fruits, whole grains, Make sure when you're looking at things like bread or other types of grains like pasta, don't be misled by the marketing terms used on packaging, such as wheat. Uh, Wheat is basically the same as eating white bread. Um, Unless it says whole grain, meaning that all three components of the actual grain are still within the product, meaning that there's more fiber and more nutrients in that whole grain rather than broken apart grains, Um, whole grains is what it needs to say for it to actually be healthier. So a lot of times uh, the, the marketing and media is what really makes this whole eating healthy thing confusing because of the words we see on packaging. If you're interested in learning more about the specific words that go into foods and what the actual uh, laws and requirements are on what these words mean, our textbook does a really good job of going into detail about like what light means or low fat means. Uh, But again, healthy eating plan includes vegetables, fruits, whole grains, low fat dairy, and protein rich foods. All right, we finished our first walk and talk podcast. I hope that you're able to join me for a walk while we talked about the six essential nutrients, the five food groups from choosemyplate.gov, and some other tools for healthy eating. This week, we covered chapter one and chapter two of our textbook. And next week, we will jump into the digestive system. Think of this week as an introduction to some of the things we'll be learning about in this course and i'm really excited to continue to dive deeper into these nutrition concepts with you this semester even though this is an online class please know that i'm always here for you you can email me if you have any questions comments concerns or if you want to talk about any nutrition concepts in more detail You can also request a Zoom meeting where we can do a virtual one-on-one or a group meeting um, with whomever you would like. So just reach out to me via email and we can set that up. And thanks again for listening. I will see you next week as we talk about the digestive system.